Welcome to our Sport Fuels Life podcast, where we are bringing you interviews with coaches and athletes at the top of their game. This is a community to support coaches, athletes, and fans who share a passion for making the world a better place through athletics. We are your hosts. I'm Megan. And I'm Scott. Welcome, Welcome to, to Sport Fuels Life. Everybody knows a standout athlete who is usually the captain or the star player of a sports team. But winning teams are made of more than just one superstar athlete. Instead, they carry many unique individuals. Today, we learned from former NCAA lacrosse coach and now best-selling author and speaker with John Gordon that celebrating individuality is the path to finding how each person can add value to a group. Kate Lavelle highlights how teams can actually help identify individual players' strengths that can play a pivotal role in both team culture and in creating an unstoppable team dynamic. Today, we are beyond thrilled to have Kate Lavelle join us again on Sport Fuels Life for a follow-up interview. Um, so Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey guys, absolutely. So glad to be back. Yeah, thank you. So in our last episode, it's been a little while here, but um, we did learn about Kate's transition from being a lacrosse player to coaching at the NCAA level uh, to now becoming a best-selling author and speaker for John Gordon. And um, Kate, we heard that you have a new book coming out called Superpower that will be coming out in August. And so we are excited to learn a little bit more about that later on today. But um, I'd like to start off with Maybe a little refresher for um, maybe some new listeners who haven't yet had a chance to listen to our first podcast, and we'll link um, the first one below here at the end of it, so that if you haven't heard it, you are welcome to check it out. But um, Kate, if you could maybe start, just give a brief background on your history with playing lacrosse to then coaching lacrosse and then becoming a best-selling author. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, I um. I picked up the sport just because it was something that was in my family and I lived in Maryland and I think it's like a requirement uh, and, you know, absolutely loved it. And when I had kids who were very, very young, I needed something to kind of put myself into that was outside of the house. So I would have something for me to do. And they were looking for some, uh, some coaches, volunteers. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll step up. And I was in a developing area for lacrosse. So of course, coming in as a Marylander, they snatched me up right away. Uh, and I started coaching youth, moved into high school and, um, you know, realized that I just came alive on the field. It was just such a great opportunity to um, pour myself into something and to get that amazing feedback that you get as a coach when you see that posture change and you realize you're really creating a difference for these kids. So uh, I kept moving along, took some college coaching jobs as an assistant, as a head coach. And I was also working with USA Lacrosse on their coaches education program. So got to train coaches all over the country on their certification level one, level two certification, that sort of thing. And really enjoyed facilitating getting up in front of people. And as a coach, you do that all the time. So I think it's kind of natural. And I just kind of started going down that road of realizing, you know, as a parent, um, as my kids started getting into sports there, we got some issues. <laughs> we got some issues in our culture and in our youth sports and our travel sports and the messages going out and the confusion and the messages going out to parents and what they need to do and what, what they don't really need. And, um, you know, obviously youth sports are a business. That's a whole other topic, but I mean, you can really um, get lost in there. And I, people were listening to me and, and finding direction. And I thought, well, 
um, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. So I continued along with that and had some really great success myself, ended up um, writing a couple books, starting on lacrosse, starting on my, then moving into my transformation, which is Confessions of an Imperfect Coach. That's my story. And uh, from there, I ended up uh, meeting John and working with him and helping turn his content into workshops and delivering them. Um, created a leadership program, four-year tiered leadership program for University of Denver. Um, just kind of kept going in that direction. And then ended up writing a book, um, brought it to John and he, he loved it and kind of helped put his little spin on it and we put it out. And that was the birth of Stick Together, which was a year ago. And now I've got um, my first solo book through the same publisher coming out August 2nd. So that's superpower. That is so exciting. Yeah, it's, that's very exciting. And, and I, I know I resonate with your story. We both coach at a college here at the D1 level in track and field and, and uh, Confessions of an Imperfect Coach. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and it's so inspiring to know that other people think similar where you're like, okay, I'm the coach. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but I really don't want to come off as I'm the one who tells you everything to do. Don't question me. You know, but so, I get some athletes sometimes that are like, he's telling me to question him. Like, is that okay? And it's like, yeah, yeah, please. Like if I can't explain what I'm doing, I'm not a very good coach. If I, if I don't have a reason. So uh, I resonate with that a lot. And then team culture is something that's very huge that, that just people have missed a lot of in this pandemic. And, and through the years of that, it's like understanding how to communicate with each other and then find ways to uh, tackle challenges everyday life with the team, even though they're individual challenges, and then take that back to the team culture as well. So um, really excited. I'm going to pick up both your books and read them myself. I'm really excited. So we're going to dive into the new one coming up as well. But, yeah, we can uh, share them with the team too. <laughs> we can share them with our team. And, and um, But uh, I, I'd like to start, uh, my question is, Going from college coaching, meeting John Gordon and writing books, uh, when did the transition happen for you uh, into teaching more and, and when did you stop coaching and, and how was that transition for you? You know, everyone has a story um, and a direction and a path. And I think that it was just the combination of where my life was and everything that came together. And, and you ha we have seasons is one of the reasons I love sports so much is because it just emulates life in every way, right? Um, we have seasons in sports and you don't know what you're gonna get each season and you make the best of it. And you know that eventually the season is gonna end, whether it's the best one you've ever had, whether it's the worst one you've ever had, it's temporary. Um, and that can be reassuring or painful depending on what version you're having. But um, for me, it was just kind of the end of a season and, and I needed to be home more with, with my daughter. I, I was coaching college and flying back and forth and she was going into her junior, senior year of, uh, of high school and I wanted to catch her games. And um, you know, my life was just shifting in so many ways. I actually lost one of my athletes, unfortunately, in a car accident, and and I needed some time to recover from that. And and I just decided, you know, this is um, this is a new season in my life. And uh, you know, especially when you lose a player. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's exactly like losing one of your kids because I've never lost a kid, so I would never pretend to know what that feels like. But um, but it feels like that, you know, from from that perspective. And. Uh, it makes you appreciate so much more the people in your life. And I realized, wow, I need to spend more time at home, you know, and, and work on that. So, so that was kind of the transformation. And I did go back home and coach her, uh, her team, her high school team. So that was great. I got to spend a lot of time with her and, um, and then she came down to IMG and I got to just watch um, really for the first time I sat on the parent side of the bench 
and I didn't like it, <laughs> but it was, it was a really good, um, experience for me to, to see it from both sides. And, uh, so that was really cool, but yeah, that was kind of the, the transition was just, it was just the time in my life where I needed to do something a little bit different. And, and I do miss being out there and, um, I do find myself trying to jump in and help, uh, players all the time <laughs> whenever I can, or to jump into games. I'm actually supposed to be playing right now in a tournament. They're doing the world tournament or like the world cup, I guess, down in Baltimore. And so they had a tournament for the not so good uh, world player people that want to pretend. And so I was going to play in that version. Uh, and I ended up actually messing up um, a disc in my neck. So I'm, oh, no. right now. <laughs> I'm really sad and my arm is numb, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I'm bummed, but I do like to jump in the player side too, occasionally. Well, I guess at this season, you have to sit on the sidelines while you're dealing with an injury. And then maybe next time you'll be able to play. Yeah. I mean, this is the season, you know, when I was eight years old, I wrote a bunch of really horrible poems and sent them into a publisher. And I said, one day I'm going to be a writer. And that's just been in my head. And, um, and it was something I always wanted to work towards, but it wasn't the right timing. And, um, you know, it just, it just was the right time for me to go in that direction and it was the right time for me to travel. And during COVID, it was the right time for me to learn how to work Zoom. Uh, and so, you know, there's a, there's a right time for everything. And I don't know exactly what is gonna be after this season, but I hope that writing and, and working with organizations and teams and individuals will, will be a part of it. I don't know what it'll look like, um, but, but I plan to continue on, um, you know, either way. Well, that's really cool that you found your way to becoming a writer um, when you kind of had such an indirect path to get there. And um, it made me curious thinking with you talking about how, you know, life goes in seasons and your adaptability to continuing to, you know, smoothly transition from one chapter to the next. Um, so was being a coach ever in your mind as well? I didn't, um, no, I really didn't have that as something I thought I could do. I didn't actually realize I could coach. Um, I didn't have any reason to believe I could coach. You know, I, I played, I was an okay player. I came out of a, a great area, um, but I didn't really know a lot about coaching organized sports and uh, definitely trial by fire, which I think most coaches can identify with. And, um, you know, ironically, that's the reason I needed the transformation to begin with. It was because I didn't really know how to coach culture. I knew about the game and uh, it was a wake up call to learn that that wasn't enough. Um, you can't just be fun and goofy and know how to break down the game. Um, you can, but you can't be successful and have longevity and have a growth of a program and maybe not pull your hair out um, all at the same time, unless you have a little more to it, unless you understand a little more behind it. So I think that's just, that's really important. But the whole idea of seasons, you know, if we can pass that along to coaches, if we can pass it along to athletes, whether it's your, you know, an ACL tear, or it's just, you know, you have a new coach and you're having trouble adjusting to them, or, or you have some difficult players this year, or your facilities aren't working out, you know, whatever it is, it is a season and that is one way to get you through it. And, you know, people say, well, how do I get through when it's so hard? Well, just remember it's gonna end, but also remember when it's going really good, it's gonna end. And there was nothing like COVID to remind us of that, right? I mean, if you went through COVID and you don't appreciate getting on the field 
just to run with your teammates, then you need to go back and relive COVID because I guarantee you, you're sitting at home going, why can't I just go out and do this? Why can't I just lift? Why can't I do all the things that I didn't appreciate before? And most people had to have a near-death experience to have that kind of, um, you know, viewpoint. And with COVID, everyone got to experience what does it feel like to have everything taken away? And so grasp for this season. And if it's making you miserable, remember it's going to end. And if it's making you happy, you better get up every single day and attack it and love it and get the most out of it. Yeah. And just going to throw this plug in there. That's almost saying uh, sport fuels life in a little bit. So we do appreciate that explanation there. Uh, on a side note, uh, what, um, what have you found as your passion leading into coaching? Why, why does coaching fulfill or what does coaching fulfill for you or what did it fulfill to you that then transition you to teaching stories and, and writing, um, writing books about culture and, and things of, that you've written about? Um, it was a couple of things. And I, it goes back to, for myself growing up, um, taking a lacrosse ball out when I was learning how to catch, which if you've ever played lacrosse, it's not easy. Um, you know, it's a difficult skill to master. It's a very uh, great confidence builder when you do master it. But I would take a ball out to the middle school wall and just play wall ball. And I had one ball and there was woods behind it. So my motivation was catch the ball or you're running through the woods trying to find it. Um, and I would just challenge myself and, and it helped me grow confidence. And I, when I first started coaching, parents say the most bizarre thing sometimes when they drop their kids off and there's, I love parents. I mean, I am a parent, but, um, but sometimes I would get things like, well, she's not athletic, but we just signed her up for this because she didn't make the soccer team or, you know, like, you know, she's, she's really slow, but you know, maybe you could put her in the goal or something. And I'm like, and the kid is standing right there, you know, and I'm like, I'm looking at their face and you could tell they're used to hearing it. You know, um, kids get told all the time, especially females, but in general, like you're not athletic. That's just not your thing. And the funny thing about lacrosse is we tend to attract people that you'd think aren't athletic, maybe don't look exactly this, you know, that same build, whatever, who are just incredible. Like they go play D1, they, we, now we've got a pro league. Um, and so the first time I started working with kids and I saw them master something and I got to help them change their posture. That's, that is, you know, my biggest joy. You see somebody going from, I'm not good at this. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I'm hiding um, to look at me. I'm really good at this. Hey coach, look what I did. Here's a video of me. I posted it everywhere. I, I did the stick trick. I've been working on it forever. Um, I mean, I could live off of that. It's just, it's incredible energy that I was able to play some small part in that energy boost. Uh, and that was, um, I mean, it's, it's addictive you know, to be able to feed people like that. And, um, and I love it. And I love doing it as a coach, but I also love doing it when I'm working with coaches who are burnt out and who are like, I've been under a microscope. You know, the parents are yelling at me. I really love these kids, but they think I don't, you know, I don't, I'm trying everything I can. People who really genuinely care about what they're doing, but can't seem to, you know, somehow align with people in their program or whatever it is. And when I can help bring them back towards the love of coaching and I can save another great coach. Um, and you know, save sounds a little too grandiose, but you know, when I can play a small part in that, that means a lot to me. Uh, it means a lot to me as a parent who had kids that had some great coaches and some not great coaches, you know, what if some of those not great coaches had had better training and, and could have made a you know, more positive impact on my own kids. And that that's really like the driving piece is how can I help make life a little more enjoyable 
I can help, you know what, if I learned a horrible, like obnoxious lesson that was difficult, at least I can get something good out of it where I save someone else from going down the same path. You know, let me make something good out of that. So I don't just have to check it off as a loss. I can check it off as a win. And that's kind of just been the goal. Yeah. Being impactful is something that can definitely come from coaching and I'm sure in other ways too. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned um, people or kids who are boxed in is maybe not being the most athletic or thrown into lacrosse. And it's kind of funny because we see something similar with pole vault. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, it's the kid who's not that fast or that athletic. Well, let's just throw them over there to that random event. Literally throw them over that thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny that it's parallel in that sense. But also um, you mentioned that sometimes parents will almost box their kids in is to saying, you know, they are not this or they are not that. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, your parent is so impactful, you know, on a kid's life and, for them to be constantly told them, told a, that they are a certain way, um, you know, I wonder to what degree does that actually direct their life or to what direction they take their action. And maybe it, you know, they would like to be this or that, but they don't feel like they can because they are told that they are, you know, right. slow or I'm not good enough. And so that's, you know, a really cool way for a coach to come into their life and make a positive impact and show them that, hey, you can be this. And you know, grow that confidence. Um, so I guess, do you have any particular stories where maybe um, an example of someone that you took on as an athlete and really saw them transform or grow in their confidence? And I'll, I'll throw one addition on there, um, a parent as well. Have you seen any parents really transform from you helping their child transform? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what, I every season, every season, um, and maybe it's because that was a big part of my focus that I said, you know, you tend to find what you look for. Um, and so maybe that's why I saw it more often, but, um, I had, you know, like one instance where I cut somebody from the varsity team and the impression that I got was that she was kind of dramatic that, you know, she was a mediocre player, but she was going to bring more baggage than I wanted to deal with on the team. I didn't think it was going to fit in with the culture and that was important to me. And so, um, you know, she was a senior and I was a new coach coming in and I was just sat down with her and said, look, I don't think, you know, you're serious about this. I need leaders as seniors and, um, and, and I'm not going to take you this year. And she was like, okay, you know, and she left. And the next day she wanted to meet with me and she sat down and she had a list written down of all the reasons why of what she could contribute to the team and what it meant to her and what she was planning to do. And I mean, she could have written anything on that page. I was just so, you know, to take that effort and to say, I really want this. Um, anyone who comes to me and says, I really want this. I really am. This is high school sports. Okay. This is not a professional team. You know, if you tell me this is something that you really want, um, I don't have to play you. If you don't want to work hard, but you're not, you know, I don't want you to be a distraction on the team, but if you really truly want to be here and you want to train and I have the roster spot that I'm allowed to carry you on, um, why am I not going to allow you to train with us? if this is what you say you really want. And so for me, it was, okay, I'm going to give you a shot. And she ended up being a leader. I mean, she was a leader that season and she, and she was a good lacrosse player. She wasn't the best player on the team, but I'll tell you what, there were a couple of games where we were down and she was that one on the field. Like, we're not quitting. Like coach put me on the field, you know? And I'm like, all right, go get it. You know? And she just, she did, she had no quit in her at all. And, um, and I was really glad that I had brought her back on the team. So, um, 
I think it's it's powerful when when you have that kind of experience. But yeah, you see you see parents as well. Um, some of them who are maybe holding on a little too tight. You know, they're they're yelling over the fence. You can see that they're they're very hyper involved and everything. You get a lot of emails from them, whatever. And by the end of the season, when they realize how capable, you know, that's a symptom of being overprotective. You know, we misread that all the time. Yes, we have controlling people and all that, but usually that comes from I just. I just don't want my kid to experience what I did. You know, it's, it's the way they express love, <laughs> you know, it's not always effective, but, but it is, it is just how some people express love. But when they understand that this kid's really capable, like, oh, they made that decision all by themselves. They advocated for themselves. And so when we communicate, did you know your daughter actually came and talked to me about her grades and asked for help? Or your daughter has been asking me for drills and we've been working on this. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, she really does know what's going on. Okay. And then they start to back up a little bit. And by the end, they're sitting at the top of the bleachers, just clapping, you know, it's like, it's just that, that communication piece. And as coaches, we have the ability to calm that overprotective parent. Um, not hundred percent of the time, don't send me angry letters, but, um, <laughs> but, a, but a lot of the times we can simply by showing them how, how well they do on their own and just giving the parents some confidence about the kid because you know you don't as a parent you don't see your kids that often <laughs> they get to a certain age they're home like to grab food you know and and hopefully to sleep but it's it's like passing in the night and so um sometimes you're not sure and you forget that they've grown up a little bit so yeah i mean i've seen it definitely on both sides it's a it's a powerful transformative interaction too when you're a college coach and parents appreciate the lessons that you've taught their kids and how coaches can actually make that impact as an extension of a parent. It's almost like they're gifting their child to be under your care and they wanna see them grow and develop without being restricted and everything else. So it's, it's, it's very, uh, I like it. I, I also love coaching and I love hearing the stories about it as well. It, it fuels me for sure. So find, finding ways to help parents be proud of their kids and knowing that parents trust college coaches to hold on or, or help their kids transition in life um, is big because then ultimately sport ends. You know, that's one thing I talk about a lot is sport ends forever. Uh, you know, whether it's recreational, or whatever, some point somebody's going to stop playing sports. And so to, to transition those life lessons that you can teach and what you're writing about and teaching people how to teach better, uh, those life lessons transcend sport and they transcend um, just playing on the team or they, they work into family lives. They work into the future of, of people and jobs and everything. So um, just know that it's awesome. <laughs> I'm really well, I, excited I, about it. I know, you know, I, again, I, Blanket statements, I know, don't apply to everybody, but <laughs> um, but in general, you know, if you can't get along with your teammates, many of your teammates, and there are difficult teams out there, and there's poor leadership. So, um, but when you go get a job and work somewhere, you have your career, you're going to have poor leadership, and you're going to have difficult personalities. And so, if you can't find a way to get along and to help change the environment a little bit on your team, to help positively impact how things are going, you know, you do play a part in your culture. You own one tenth, one twentieth, however many people are on your team of that culture, um, and and you're you, you influence the people around you. So mastering that in college, especially when you have to live with these people and you you see what they're doing and you know, all of these things going on, if you can master that, then you're so much farther ahead when you go into the work world. Um, you know, interpersonal communications, I believe should be required for everybody and they should start doing it in high school, not in college. That's too late. Um, but understanding how to be a good listener, how to 
bring out the best in other people, how to fight with instead of fighting against, you know, fight for each other and to understand that, um, you know, when you're when you don't agree, the line shouldn't be drawn between you. It should be, you know, invite them over to your side, draw the line and put the issue on the other side and fight together, you know, against the issue, not against each other. And, and it's just learning these little things. And if you have a great leader and a coach, hopefully they'll help you learn that. And if not, maybe you can introduce it. Maybe you can make that impact. Um, but it's, it is really powerful for these kids to go through that college experience. So I love college athletics so much. Yeah, and it really does take a group of great leaders to make a team come together, whether it is in sports or like you mentioned, in the work world. Um, you know, we're constantly always working together towards a common goal some way or another. And so in your experience with athletics and, you know, teaching professionals as well, have you seen any um, common character traits or um, key factors that, do, I guess, complement a team and help them work towards success? Um, well, yeah, and it's actually, you know, kind of molds into some of the things that I put in as superpower, um, you know, and I, it really is celebrating the diversity on your team. So if you think about anytime you're in a competition, it really comes down to matchups. You know, it, it's hard to explain why this team with this record, um, you know, did so well, and then you play them and they don't do well, you know, whatever it is. And it's just a lot of times, or why you have this starting lineup on this game and this starting lineup on another one. Well, it's about matchups. And so if matchups can be a competitive advantage, then knowing everything on your team that is different and unique and special it, and embracing it and utilizing it instead of turning everyone into, you know, soldiers that match, um, who can match that? Who can have a matchup against your team if you have so many different parts going on that they couldn't possibly ever copy it? You know, they couldn't match up against it. And so when you create an environment where you look for, what do you bring that nobody else is, you know, has? And we think about, um, what we have in common is what brings us together. That's how we relate to each other. That's how we become groups. Hey, you like riding bikes? Me too. Let's start a bike club, right? That brings you together. But you both like riding bikes. You're exactly the same. It doesn't make it a very interesting bike club. However, I like riding bikes, but I'm also a skateboarding artist and I can, you know, whatever. And, and I like riding bikes, but I also do hair and I have these really cool whatever. And we're going to ride around. And now we're this cool bike club. But it's, it's what you bring that's different and unique that adds value, you know? I'm not gonna add the same value that someone next to me has because we do the same thing. The value I'm gonna be at is, hey, I can, I can do this skill and I have this personality trait and you don't. And so that's what I can contribute. And so you wanna celebrate where you're different. And it's the same thing in any group, you know, walk into a classroom, um, you know, if you look different or you feel different or you don't feel like you fit in, that's a bonus. We wanna celebrate that. You don't want to fit in. Why would you want to fit in? That means you you fit the same mold as everyone else. That means you don't have you don't have unique opportunities ahead in your life. So it's just learning how to pull that out. And um, and so what team that celebrates that I feel like has a huge competitive advantage. It also means that instead of fighting each other's personality quirks, you kind of like you get into it. You know, <laughs> it can be really fun when everybody can own who they are and they feel like, man, I'm free to be me. And when I'm free to be me, I can perform so much better because I'm not worried about being judged. I'm not worried about messing up and I'm not worried about not fitting in because I don't want to fit in. I want to be a part of this group, but I want to be this unique piece that adds that value. So I think that's that's really important. And then the other one's just that open communication. Um, 
and genuinely caring and getting to know people under the surface. And you're going to do that when you have an environment where you celebrate how you're different, because the only way to learn how you're different is you got to get to know them. You got to know what their perspectives are, um, what experiences they've had in their life that led them to that perspective, and then share yours. And you get a, you know, just, it's just a much more um, tighter knit team. Uh, so I guess two, two questions there. A quick one, what's your most memorable icebreaker slash meeting at the beginning of the season? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> on the spot. Icebreaker. Um, okay, let's see. I mean, I've done some weird stuff, and, and it's really funny because I usually preface it with, hey, guys, I've never tried this before, and I don't know <laughs> if it's going to work. And they're always like, oh gosh, what is it going to be this time? Um, so we did a person scavenger hunt and that sounds weird, but um, basically what it was is I gave them a list of things and then they had, a, I split them into small groups and they had to find somebody in the group that had something that related to each of those things or, you know, so it would be like green or three dogs or, you know, whatever. And so they would have to ask each other a bunch of questions to figure out, can we check everything off? in here through something that somebody's connected to. So I was like, well, I have green shoelaces. Great. You know, like, well, I only have two dogs. Oh, I have one dog, you know, my dog died. And they're like, oh, you should subtract them. Where have we got three dogs. Okay. So they had to explain how they related. So that was the um, person scavenger hunt. There's probably a better name for that, but, um, but it was really fun and they got very creative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then my next uh, question with that, thanks for sharing that icebreaker though. Uh, I might use that. Yeah. But, good luck uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do some quizzes but ahead of time and then make my quiz. Put them out. in a room. They can also try to find stuff in the room too. Like you can open it up a little more, but um, but yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> so your first book talking about uh, the coaching and personal uh, changes and flaws, not flaws, but how to, how to grow as a coach. Your second book, Stick Culture, talking about team culture. And your third book is kind of a continuation of team culture, but really highlighting the individual's ability to add to that team culture. I think I made the connections in my mind, but what would you say led to the inspiration of Superpower? Superpower is, um, it really was born from uh, a combination of my own struggles growing up and feeling like I, you know, I just didn't quite fit the mold of, you know, certain things that kind of felt. And I think you talk to people, most people will tell you, I don't really feel like I fit in. I, that's kind of a, we all are share the trait that we feel like we don't quite fit in, which is interesting. Um, no matter how much we look like we fit in. Cause I think if people asked, you know, were asked about me, they'd be like, oh yeah, you know, everyone liked her. She hung out with everyone. She was an athlete, whatever. Um, but I never felt that way on the inside. And, um, and so my struggle was, you know, just this journey of realizing the more I tried to hide the things that made me different, the, the less likable I think I became and the less comfortable in my own skin and, and the less opportunities I had. And the more I shrunk back rather than thinking it was going to pull me forward. And, um, you know, this is a lesson all through, through life, learning how to love yourself for who you actually are and not who you wish you were or who you think other people think you should be or what you imagine someone who does the things you want to do, do look like or act like, um, you know, we try to wish away the best parts of ourselves and we see them as flaws. And it, um, it could be, you know, like in superpower, it's a physical trait that uh, little Trent is trying to wish away that he gets bullied for. And, um, and so it was kind of, it was kind of born from that, uh, my own personal experience. So it's a very personal story to me, but also from um, some people that I've met that are just so unique. And I just always admired how 
they did not care. <laughs> you know, they did not care that they were different. They didn't care what anybody thought it was, you know, and I was like, man, I want to be that free, you know, that's so incredible. And that in my journey to kind of stepping into that and not being so worried about what other people are going to think, um, because, you know, you're going to be judged no matter what, right? You're going to be, you're going to be judged no matter what choices you make and, and what you let show of yourself. So you might as well put your real self out there, um, and at least own that and feel comfortable in your skin, um, at that point. So, uh, in order to perform well on a team, that's, you need that. If your players are all really, you know, know how to love themselves and bring their best self forward. And you have a team that celebrates it in each other, um, so this is, you know, stick together is the seven principles to make a stronger team. This is about making stronger, um, you know, convictions inside of yourself to fulfill all the things that you want to do and then creating, um, you know, and that diversity and inclusion is, are such big buzzwords right now, but it is the truth. You know, we're divided in so many ways. So how do we bring people together? You have a team that comes from, especially in college, all over the country different backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, different, you know, racial backgrounds, different everything. And, and they're coming together and you're going, get along, you know, and we're going to play a rope tying game. And then you're all going to be best friends at the end of it. You know, I'm like, that's not how it works, <laughs> you know? Um, but it is a journey of um, everybody's a mystery. And that's the idea behind superpower. Everyone is a mystery. And um, we're going to be a better team if we solve that mystery, but we can't solve the mystery of everyone else until we know who we are. So that's kind of where that came from. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, it really makes me, well, I guess what stands out to me is there is comfort in conformity. Um, I think we learn that from an early age. Like if we stand out and we're different, it's looked down upon. Oh man, that, that person is different. That's weird. And I think that it makes kids from an early age kind of be afraid to stand out and then be uniquely themselves. Mm -hmm. And um so I think as we get older, we kind of learn what makes us happier and we try to chase that. But I think it takes courage for one. Um, and then I think just, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and that fear can be paralyzing to a lot of people as they're trying to deep dive deeper into themselves and learn who they are and what they want. So for someone who may be a little paralyzed by fear, um, or even they're trying to discover who they are, what they want, what piece of advice would you have for someone to take the first step in pursuing a goal that is uniquely theirs? Yeah. Um, you know, two thoughts on that. And one is, you know, what is the reason that, that some people are able to be so unique and seem to be just well-received in that? And some people who try to be unique feel like they're being judged by people and shrink back. And, you know, sometimes we call it the X factor, you know, they can, they just have this special thing and they stand out. Um, and I kind of, you know, I dress it in superpower and one of the characters in, in Emma's character, but um, some people just are so sure of who they are and love you know, how unique they are that other people can't help but go, I wish I had that. And they want to pull you in closer because they, they hope it rubs off, you know? And when you realize that the people around you are, no matter how confident they look, are just as unsure. Um, there's a little bit of a piece in that. And really, cause you think everyone else around me has got it together and here I am, you know, kind of a mess. And when you look at it that way, of course, you're gonna feel, you know, a lack of confidence. When you realize that's not the case, it does turn things around a little bit. Um, 
you know, and I'll give you one of the, I, I don't know if I went over this with stick together because this is, it carries over the idea of belief, but um, you know, one of the chapters in there talks about when Trent's kind of getting his transformation, he learns about the power of belief and that it doesn't matter what other people think of you. If you don't have any doubts in your mind about who you are, then nobody else can change that. No one can impact you. No one can affect you. And so I like to use the, the, my giraffe example, which is if I tell you that you're a giraffe, you know, are you guys going to go run to a mirror, check and be like, oh my gosh, my neck's getting longer. I think she's right. I see some spots. I, I might be turning into a giraffe. Like how long are you going to spend thinking um, you might be a giraffe just because I said it? Probably not at all, right? You know, for certain you're not a giraffe. What if I told you I don't think you're a very good coach, probably not very good with athletes. At that point, are you going to be like, oh, why would she say that? Did she see something? I wonder if somebody said something and I wonder why. And the only reason that that would happen is because I touched on something that you already had a doubt on inside your mind. You didn't doubt you were a giraffe. Me telling you you're a giraffe all day long wouldn't impact you, which means it can only affect you if it's a weakness, a doubt, something you already have. That's so powerful in a good way. It's empowering because that means that if you work on your belief system and your confidence and knowing who you are and what you be can become, and you only, you know, the work you've put in, what you've been through, you know, what's on the other side, how much you want it, it really doesn't matter what other people think. But when you realize that what they think literally can't touch you, if you don't have the doubt in the first place, they become irrelevant. And now you begin to work on yourself and your own beliefs. And that's just a little piece of superpower, but that is, that is part of the journey to understanding that you can embrace and love who you are and you can work on that. And when people see that you're embracing on it, embracing it, they kind of stop having those opinions. You know, it, it, it's almost um, less fun to make fun of someone who's like, yeah, and, you know, and I love that about me. Isn't that great? You know, it's just very freeing. So that's just a little, a little piece of that. No, that's, that's a great insight to it. And uh, we're excited to pick it up and, and learn more about it for sure. So superpower really helps those individuals dive into themselves and find the confidence to be who they want to be. And also it, it kind of takes out the hurdles in front of you towards the path of finding who you really are um, because you're not worried about doubt. Um, so that's, that's super exciting to know. Any, uh, any side facts? I like throwing off the wall comments, any side <laughs> facts that, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that you don't bring up much in a normal podcast that, that you just, that sticks with you, right. That you remember from, you know, a parental, uh, parental phone call or, or a meeting with a, uh, a kid, an athlete of yours, or even, uh, something you learned, uh, in your own family dynamic that you weren't expecting to learn that just sat with you, any side fact or thought. Oh gosh, you know, one of the biggest lessons I've learned and just in coaching and leadership and um, people in general is that we're so quick And this. This actually, I, I think I learned this from sales. When I went through, I went through some extensive sales training. And one of the things that I learned is, um, and it's really hard to learn because I kept, you know, like, no, do it again, is that we want to qualify somebody before we get to know them. And so what the, you know, they come into the store, whatever they're trying to buy, and they're giving you a little example of what they want. And you're so anxious to do the job that you've been assigned to do, which is great, great quality, right? That you start giving them solutions before you truly know the full picture. And so you may give them a solution to what they're coming to you for in that sentence, but you haven't asked enough questions to realize that 
they actually need something different because there's these other things going on that would actually address it so much better and would make them a better customer going down the road. You do your job better, you know, even though it looks like on paper, they came in for this, you gave them this, they walked out the door. But two months down the road, they're going to realize it's not sufficient. It's the same thing with coaching, same thing with parenting. You know, your kid comes home from school and they're like, I'm so mad at my teacher. They did this, this, this. And immediately you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to call the teacher. I cannot believe this. You're not qualifying them. First of all, you're asking them, do you just want to vent? Did you, you want me to listen or do you need help with this? Like, that's a really important question. Same thing for your athletes. Are you just venting or you, do you need help? Because we want to immediately fix it because we think that's our job. Um, you know, what, what else is going on? Did you have a rough day? What, you know, what else was going on that made you react that way? Is it possible that you read into it and they were having a rough day and it had nothing to do with you? Like there's so much more that we need to let them talk and stop being so reactive all the time to fix it. And it comes from the right place. So when you tell someone that they get a little defensive because they're like, oh, I'm helping them. I look what I did. Um, we, we do action. We can check off the box. We're busy. I did something today. Look at, but we can do it better. If we can just stop, we can listen, we can qualify the situation, we can get to know the person, the motivation, what's been going on on the bigger picture, and what do they want out of this? You might have a small win today by addressing what they're complaining about, but what if you could fix the underlying thing that's going on and help them direct you know, longer into the future? And is this even a battle that needs to be fought or is this just, you know, we just need to comfort this person right now. So I take more time qualifying and, and um, it's not easy. You have to like tell yourself, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, and sometimes you can tell them, I'm trying to solve this for you in my head because I, I really care about you, but I'm trying to do my best to listen. So that's what I'm doing. I mean, it's okay. It's okay to say that, you know, I'm working on this, but just so you know, I really care about you and I want to punch that person in the head, but I'm not going to, we're going to keep talking. Um, yeah, no. Work on it. No taken. I'm a helper. So uh, we're, we're married. And so I try to help Megan anytime she has a problem. And so I need to need to relax a little bit and know if she's just venting or if she's actually asking for help because I want to solve something and move on. The first thing uh, they very... teach you in marriage counseling is you're supposed to, it's not always the, you know, the guy and the female like in that necessarily order. But a lot of times since guys like to fix things, it's like, you know, you just stop and go real quick. Do you just want to talk? Or do you need me to fix this? Right. Yeah. Now? That's like yeah. the um, women are from Venus, men are from Mars. Yeah. Men are the fixers. Women just want to vent. <laughs> Except sometimes we're like, fix it, but we still don't mean it. So good luck with that one. Your <laughs> <laughs> book, like all of these lessons, they do eventually like transpire into marriage counseling. So maybe that's a future avenue for you. I know it's, I, 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 maybe I just got divorced last year. It might not be a great lesson yet, but you know, maybe to complete after like a reflection period. How to, like how to lose a guy in 10 days. Um, but really it's, it's, um, I think, you know, your book, I've got one for you. Are you ready? Your book is going to be, um, hear, hear what I meant, not what I said. So I think I that's meant, it's a book that needs to be out there. I feel like, I don't know why you couldn't hear what I meant and not what I said, but it's gotta be an answer Love to that. that. <laughs> Read my eyes, not my words. <laughs> well, um, on that note, I, do you have any other closing notes or comments? Cause I know that I definitely want to read your books and we can direct our listeners to your website. Um, for anyone who may want to follow you, do you have social media or a website that they would be able to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So 
Um, KateLavelle.com is my main website. So um, that's probably the easiest way. And it's Lavelle, L, like leave with two L's on the end. Uh, and then uh, superpowerthebook.com is going to get you to the book information. It is available for pre-sale. I don't know when this is going out, but it's August 2nd is the official release date. And, um, you know, you, you can get anywhere the books are sold. I am making a kind of journey all over the U.S. right now. So we're well, starting in like mid-July to um, work with school districts, with teams, with businesses who especially who need to hit on the diversity diversity and inclusion piece um and i know a lot of schools you know get an extra budget for that was great because this is about embracing being different and celebrating it and getting people to come back together not just where you know where we're similar and where we relate but but adding that extra value so um you know that's booking up pretty quick but i'm definitely hoping to hit as many states as possible so anyone who's interested can let me know because we've got some um bulk deals on getting books for your program as well. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll pass that along to the head coach. For and there's sure. discussion questions in the end of the book too. So you can do a little book study. Perfect. Yeah. That'll be my third icebreaker. I go. Yeah. <laughs> no, Got wonderful. It. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Kate, for uh, for joining us this uh, this afternoon. Yeah, awesome. really do appreciate your time and, and um, stepping away and talking with us. So maybe we'll, on the next book, we'll have you on for a third time as well. Yeah, oh, I'm excited. Absolutely. Bring me back and um, I'll have more icebreakers for you. I promise. So be really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank Thanks, guys. you. And hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. If you like this episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so others can find us more easily. It really means a lot to us and it helps us get the word out. We're always looking for new stories to share here on our show. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tell us their story by nominating them on our website at sportfuelslife.com. Thanks, Thanks for listening. For listening.